Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. How do we become who we are? And then how do we transform that self into who we want to be? Those are the very weighty questions that we're going to explore. Psychologists have spent decades exploring how we come to be. For sure, it's a complex process that we can only scratch the surface of in this podcast. I'm going to give you an overview, and then I'll bring it around to leaders and leadership and to transformation. I want to start with the most basic element, identity formation. It happens when we're really young. It's generally pretty well set by adolescence, and it's necessarily impacted by all of our experiences, including any trauma that we've lived through. It's what enables us to have a unique view of ourselves, and that may or may not be continuous throughout the lifespan. It should or does provide continuity and some sense of inner unity. Self-concept, who we think we are, is a component of identity formation. Self-concept is the perception that we have of ourselves. It, It captures all the beliefs that we hold to be true about our identity. The question for you as we begin this exploration is simply this. Who do you think you are? That goes so much deeper than the roles assigned to you or the roles you've assumed. It's about who you are at the core, at the very marrow. Who do you think you are? Who you are is undoubtedly linked to your values. The values you've adopted consciously and unconsciously because we do suck in values unconsciously. Who you are can be an amalgamation of early life experiences, but the question remains, who do you think you are? Your self-concept is a critical component of developing the self-awareness required to lead effectively. Psychologists say that our self-concepts encompass our past, our present, and our future. That means that who we think we were informs who we think we are, and that creates our notions of who we can become. I need to say that again. Who we think we were informs who we think we are, and that creates our notions of who we can become. But this does not mean that the past self-concept necessarily dictates the future. It does mean that there are connections between our self-concepts as we move through the life course. As is expected, self-concept is not always positive. A lot of us hold negative self-images, though we may have become skilled at masking or ignoring them. Others of us are able to distance ourselves from negative self-concepts by using comparisons. Comparisons like, I'm not as bad as her, or my sins aren't as bad as his, or I'm better than I used to be. And I want to I want to go just a little deeper on self-concept. Carl Rogers is one of the early preeminent theorists on this, and he taught that there are three components of self-concept. The view we hold of ourselves or our self-image, the value we place on ourselves, which is our feeling of self-worth or self-esteem, and then the ideal self or who we wish we were. 
you know, as we continue to learn about our leader selves, we learn to face both the negative and the positives in our self-concept. We learn to understand that identity formation can lead us to identity transformation. Once we can see and embrace the self-concept and the identity that we've formed, we can determine how we want to redefine the self. And this is where Roger's concept of ideal self comes in. Now, this is not your fantasy self. I think of it as an aspirational self. It's the unearthing of the best that's buried in us or working to pour the best from the world into ourselves. Understanding the relationship between self-concept and identity formation is really important. But there's more to identity formation than just self-concept. Part of identity formation is identity exploration. That's when we're able to explore who we are. And that's when we come to understand the role that love plays in our development. Have we been loved? Have we been nurtured? Have we been loved unconditionally? And are we able to love fully and unconditionally? I'd like to transition to talk a little bit about personal continuity, that aspect of identity formation, and its relationship to leaders and leadership. This personal continuity or personal identity is what allows us to finally ask the question, who am I? And it's what enables us to challenge who we think or thought we were, and define ourselves differently. This personal continuity, it gives us a sense of uniqueness, but it also accounts for our affiliations, affiliations with family, community, religion, ethnicity, gender identity, and any number of places where we have strong ties or strong affiliations. So how does this relate to leaders and leadership? When we're comfortable posing the who am I question, we can get comfortable posing the who do I want to be question. Leaders evolve based on new learnings, deep reflection, and most importantly, the desire, the desire to evolve. The who do I want to be question is not a judgmental one. It doesn't imply that who I currently am is insufficient, is inadequate, is you know, deficient. It's just a question of the possibility for transformation. The possibility of exploring one's potential and the possibilities that can unfold from the inside out. Another really interesting thing about personal continuity is that it allows us to explore where we've experienced identity foreclosure. This is something that James Marcia says happens in the teenage years. It's when conforming becomes the norm. While he's a noted theorist on this, I do have a different opinion. I have a different take. I think that identity foreclosure doesn't just happen to teenagers. I think lots of adults spend their lives pleasing others and stay stuck, stuck, stuck in a pattern of conformity, whether it's serving them well or not. I think many of us are followers because we foreclosed on our identities We never challenged values, roles, or norms. So it's time for me to get into the transformation possibilities that emerge from the who do I want to be question. That question can also be who am I capable of becoming? Think of this as a way to optimize yourself, 
to discover the truth of who you are and then decide what do you want to enhance or change. Think of it as a way to discover and fulfill your potential, to unearth latent possibilities, latent abilities, and to awaken dormant dreams. The idea of life transformation is predicated on your ability to think for yourself. That means you defining who you are, you determining which values and beliefs serve you best, and then deciding where you want to go internally and externally. This requires a lot of introspection, and that can be uncomfortable. Some people would say this is the process of finding yourself, and I think that's valid because we do lose ourselves by trying to please other people, by trying to fulfill other people's expectations, by trying to measure up to somebody else's standards. You know, the list just goes on. But finding yourself means shedding all the things imposed on you that you've accepted, that you've accepted unconsciously and consciously. It requires that you increase your internal awareness, and this is what can lead to a shift in perceptions. This is about taking responsibility for what you think, what you feel, and what you do. Do not expect to do this without some inner conflict. Challenging the self means looking at what we've held to be true and examining it to see if that truth is real and if it's serving us well. A key component of life transformation is the decision or the decisions on what you want to transform. What are the things you want more of and what are the things you want less of? Why do you want to transform those areas of your life? Knowing the what and knowing the why are the foundations of success with personal transformation. The what and the why enable you to have the yes, I can mindset. It's important for you to put your transformation targets in priority order. You are not going to transform every element of yourself and your life at once. And you shouldn't want to. There's some things you should want to keep. Think about the areas or things that are going to give you the most satisfaction. For me, uh, when I started thinking about personal transformation, it was my physical self. Quite a few years ago, I committed to being really intentional about physical activity. Uh, that meant working with a personal trainer, going more deeply into my yoga practice, doing strength and cardio in the gym. Um, and eventually it grew to me learning how to play golf. Well, I can't say learning how to play golf. I can say playing golf. Um, it moved to me playing pickleball. So that has been an ongoing, very enriching personal transformation. And then as life has progressed, I decided I wanted to transform my spiritual journey to have a closer walk with God. And that's meant joining Bible study groups, committing to my prayer circle, and now I teach Sunday school. I teach Sunday school with the phenomenal sister Gwen Perry, an 80-year-old lady who knows so much about the Bible and so much about teaching, and she's a great mentor and role model in my spiritual transformation. Transformations are ongoing. They can encompass so many areas of life. One thing about it, any transformation should provide you with uplift. The work you're doing on yourself should make you feel better about who you are and who you're becoming. As you're working on the decision, I want you to approach it from a positive, affirming place. Do not go into this process berating yourself or listing all your perceived shortcomings. 
think in terms of optimization, and I know I said that before, in terms of maximizing the best of who you are. Let your transformation decisions be guided by self-compassion. Self-compassion. It's hard to make positive change when it's based on negative notions of the self. Interestingly, movement is a component of life transformation. And I mean not just the mental movement we've been talking about, but physical movement. Getting up and moving your body releases all sorts of those feel-good chemicals that help you feel good about yourself. Moving your body enhances your awareness of your physical self. Movement, exercise, they enhance your health mentally and physically. Look, let's, let's deal with reality. There are going to be obstacles. Obstacles in terms of mindsets, people, and circumstances. And they can be detrimental. You've got to be prepared for the inevitable storms because they're coming. They're coming. It's in the obstacles that you have to constantly remind yourself of your vision for your life and for yourself as a human being. It's during the obstacles and the storms that you have to stay the course. It's so easy to give up and revert, but remind yourself of the reasons that you're investing your energy in transformation. Sometimes it helps to keep visual representations around us. I keep verses of scripture in in the wall in my office, in my bathroom. Some people use vision boards. Other people post a personal mantra somewhere that's, you know, frequently visible to them. Just do what works for you to keep your vision of yourself, your transformed self in front of you. Another activity that will help you through the obstacles is a focus on learning. Find learning that supports your efforts to transform. Find new things that interest you and that can provide a mental break from the storms. Learning enables you to make and maintain mental shifts. You know, exposure to repetitive negative information is going to be another hindrance or obstacle in your transformative work. The negative information starves our minds, it starves our bodies, it starves our spirits. It creates negative expectations and negative beliefs. And that makes it so much more difficult to move in a positive direction. So here's the question. What needs to be evicted from your mind and from your heart? Begin controlling what you see and hear so that you can begin transforming your thought patterns. I talked about learning and I want to hit that again. Making that eviction happen, it requires new learning. And that focus on learning goes way, 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 way back to biblical times. The Apostle Paul wrote, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's from Romans 12 too. Find and create ways to transform and renew your mind throughout the transformation process, especially when it's getting tough. This is all about listening to podcasts, reading, attending workshops, lectures. You know, it might be about learning a new skill or a hobby. Whatever you decide to do to renew your mind, do it. Don't just think about it, actually do it. I'm getting ready to wrap up, and there's one thing I really want you to remember. Be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful. 
We started out talking about identity formation, self-concept and our perceptions, and we moved to discovering ways to transform and create new self-images. In all of that, it's important to have a heart that's overflowing with gratitude. Gratitude for the experiences, positive and negative, the things that brought you to the point of being willing and able to transform your life. Gratitude for your self-awareness, your agency, and your self-determination. I know that gratitude may seem impossible for people who have lived through or are still experiencing great trauma. I have a really dear friend who suffered unthinkable abuse as a kid. But oddly enough, she's not bitter, and she's worked hard to create a different life for her kids. When I talk to her about why she's grateful, she says she's not necessarily grateful for the experiences themselves, but she's grateful for how she's been able to use them to help others. She says she's also grateful because she believes that living through those experiences prepared her for other traumas and They help her keep things in perspective. And that's why I say, work on having a grateful heart. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Remember that just as you have had identity formation, you can consciously create identity transformation. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.